episode 2020 of Anime for Trash Dwellers and today we're talking about Gymnastic Samurai aka Gym Daddy. I'm not sure how far I'll get writing about this because it's not actually shit. It's a fairly solid sports anime piece but like I feel like it's going to get sillier slash just the ending. I could just talk about that glorious ending and that'd be enough. Now, my rule for sports anime is a sin, really. I only watch anime about sports that I like and watch in real life, so at the end of the day, I don't watch a lot of sports anime. Free, yes! I like the swimming because I was a seven-year-old Australian child during the Sydney 2000 Olympics where Thorpe fucking smashed it. It is now an ingrained part of my upbringing that I can't let go of. And ice skating. Okay, I, di- I didn't watch ice skating before watching Euronice, but fuck, as a result, I watched a fuck ton of it during the Winter Olympics. So, gymnastics is a sport that I generally like. I did it as a kid for a couple of years, plus flips are fucking sick, and I will gradually enjoy any sport with any sick flips. But something I'm kind of disappointed about is that my passion for current day gymnastics is set around Simone Biles, like she is amazing. She can do floor flips on the beam that no other gymnast can do. It's like every time she competes, she smashes world records. And when she took a year off from the sport, she came back just as strong as ever. She could be doing the rings and pummel horse like men do. And honestly, she'd probably beat a fair female gymnast in events too. She is incredible. Was generally upset when the Olympics were cancelled because it meant I didn't get to see her compete. So the fact that there's an anime out about gymnastics that isn't focused on female gymnasts or the American women's gymnast team in general, man, it just hurts. Okay, it opens with Jim Daddy falling off the bars whilst his condescending mother-in-law sneers from the stands. Jim Daddy's getting on with age and he's been too dense to take his coach's hints about quitting. So his coach just has to come out and say it point blank, mate, you gotta retire. At home, he has this fucking creepy fantasy bird. It's just an amalgamation of all the worst birds out there, and it looks terrifying. My BF saw it and asked, in all seriousness, if this show was a fantasy series, and I had to reply, no, no, it's supposed to be real life. Jim Daddy takes his small child to a ninja village, cause she likes ninjas, cause her dad reminds her of one kind of see the resemblance, except that gymnasts fucking spend a fair bit of time warming up and preparing for flips. Like a gymnast ninja to be in the middle of a fight and then just have to stop to chalk up. One of the ninjas gets chased by government agents. His dumbass child thinks it's part of the performance because in her mind ninjas and secret agents are the same. That ninja stalks him back home and he like, Nah, you're not staying, but in comes the mother-in-law and she's like, um, bitch, guess who built this house and manages to shut the fucking noisy parrot the fuck up just to really bring home that nah, she is the man of the house and this cunt is just free loan because he fucked her dead daughter. So she lets the man terrified of being deported back home stay. I'm curious as to see how this plot point progresses since Japan accepts foreigners wanting to move to the country but they don't accept asylum seekers. So I assume if he does get to stay it will be like on a working visa. Which he can do because when Jim Daddy hits the gym for the day guess who follows and reveals that he's a gymnast. After doing some sick flips on the bar his ninja outfit rips but underneath he's wearing boxes and a crop top. The fuck the crop tops for mate? It's not like you're a long distance running, you're gonna get chafe on your nips or anything. 
I know you're a buff man, but you're not so buff that your pickies need to be held up by a bra. It's nice at the gym. There's so many kids around and it feels so child-friendly and safe. Unlike any actual gym in real life, I'm pretty sure the entire gym board of America had to be fired because they all let that fucking creep continue training girls. So, Jim Daddy goes to the press conference to announce his retirement, his mother-in-law having obviously told his daughter just really bringing home what a useless stack of shit her son-in-law is. So he goes to say that he's retiring, then stops and thinks about how much his family's love has been centered around him being a gymnast and therefore decides not to retire mid-sentence and ends up saying, I'm retired, not the... I think I'll wait to talk about the ending. There, there's just so much going on and I can't remember it all. So I'll wait until I've watched it a couple of times before I talk about it. Episode 2, and I have just discovered that the glorious ending is the glorious opening. And yeah, nothing gets me more in the mood for gymnastics than gaudy coloured tracksuits and tights. So, Jim Daddy has successfully not retired. Congratulations. He goes and talks to his coach about the good news that he didn't retire like his coach told him to. And his coach takes it really well via firing him from being his protege, I guess is what you'd call someone who's someone coaches, and kicks him out of the gym. Gym daddy like, right, and he decides that he'll just do training himself without the help of thousands and thousands of dollars worth of gym equipment. Mind you, in a big professional gym, that gear could possibly even cost up to a million dollars. So instead of training up a little bit of everything like he would have been doing at work, he decides to just run for an entire day for six hours straight. That's his training. For a long-time professional athlete, this is shit he should already know is bad to do. Would you look at that? He hurt his foot from running for six hours straight. Ninja ain't doing shit, so Grandma decides he should stop freeloading and work at a restaurant slash bar, which Ninja refers to as a mission because he can't just accept a regular old boring job because that's not ninja-y enough. Jim Daddy getting kind of bored and lost with his training and this woman's like, fuck no, you're shit with customers. Like, yeah, that's right, fella. Outside of gymnastics, you're useless to society. And now we come to the worst decision by the anime staff. They have decided to have a Gangeru character. You don't see them as much in anime. More because that style has fallen out of fashion as opposed to Japanese people realizing that dollying up in what is essentially blackface fashion is incredibly racist. But here we are. This girl even speaks Russian at one point. Like, she mightn't even be Asian. She may be white and dolling up on the fake tan with the f- which fears fair. White people are super racist and when it comes to a lack of care around cultural appropriation, white people are the ones to score the highest. And there's the character who's gender ambiguous, who is of course also a sex pervert and strikes Ninja's butt when he serves him. Please stop being offensive anime, I just want to enjoy Jim Daddy's buffness and peace. So sex pervert reveals he works in the medical field and he like, Hey, you're buff, maybe you could use my service, here's my business card, Ta! The next day, Jim Daddy, Jim Daddy out for an early morning jog to the local town square and looks on awkwardly to find it's filled with drunks and people off to work sneering at said drunks. Ninja's out playing in the yard with the daughter, Rachel, because yeah, they've just completely accepted this ninja into their family now. Cool! 
when Rachel won't let daddy play because he's busy doing visualization training. Jim daddy doesn't know what to do. His love for his child is why he decided to stay a gymnast but now he's a shit gymnast and a drop beat dad. But luckily Ninja was sexually assaulted in the workplace because now he can give Jim daddy that dodgy fella's business card. PSA message, sexual assault is not a positive thing, especially by a health professional, please don't associate it with positive things such as helping move the plot along. Oh yeah, Ninja can't speak Japanese, I think. It's just every now and again he can't understand people. I think he has Japanese but it's very bad. And Rachel even translates for him at times. I'm lost as to how I didn't notice this in the first episode. Probably because all he ever did was talk at people about being a ninja and begging them to let him squat at their joint. So this health professional is an acupuncturist who as soon as this guy walks in suggestively says he should take off all his clothes which should be enough for him to lose his practicing license and get fired. When Jim Daddy's there lying shirtless on the table giving little moans as the needles are placed in him. I enjoyed that scene too much. I apologize everyone. So the acupuncturist makes up the regime that Jim Daddy does Tai Chi and nothing else. Cause if he keeps training at the rate he is, his body will remain exhausted and hence lead to injury. There is so much we need to unpack here. I have met a GP who was also a qualified acupuncturist and he said acupuncture was saved for serious cases where nothing else would work, mainly in regards to chronic pain. I even met some people he treated who stated that yeah, acupuncture was able to help with their chronic pain. And yet here is someone with a long-term shoulder injury from a year or more ago who is a professional athlete who works at a professional gym which would have their own physiotherapist they hire which would be able to one give him necessary stretches and exercises for his shoulder as well as massage it and two tell him to slow the fuck down the fact that this guy had to be told all this information outside of his professional sports workplace is bizarre to me i can kind of get that the training method he's been taught is train 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 and more training but surely there'd be a physio there to explain when not to train 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 but look none of that matters because his acupuncture and tai chi is successful at healing his shoulder somewhere in all of this we see a new story about this high schooler smashing all the high school gym comms and when he's interviewed he does the teenager mumble a couple of words because i haven't developed social skills yet he gets called the bandana gymnast since he wears a bandana but i definitely read that the first time around as banana gymnast and i thought i don't know what that means but that sounds a bit inappropriate. Jim Daddy goes back to his coach and says how he understands not to hurt himself anymore but to please take him back. His coach has to explain once again that he'd been telling him for a good year to lay off the intense training and him just completely either not getting it or full-on ignoring what this guy said. So his coach sits him down and explains to him, mate, you're real fucking old now. You're just gonna get shittier and shittier at gym. And we'll have to make your training elderly friendly by not having you go for it as hard. And gym daddy's like, fair's fair. Then that upcomer I was talking about arrives. Oh no. It's another angry, angsty, young sports professional. Jeez, where have I seen this before? And he tells Jim Daddy that he's a disgrace to gymnastics. And Jim Daddy's just like, whoa, what the fuck? Apparently Ninja's been bumming at the gym so much, he's now besties with one of the trainers. 
Episode 3, let's talk about the glorious opening. It starts with our three protags in a junkyard in single coloured tracksuits and sunnies. Cute, rest of cast posing whilst wearing single coloured tracksuits and sunnies. The cast spell out Taiso, gymnastics and Japanese, with their bodies in tights. The main boys are running and running and running and panting and panting and panting. Cue posing in front of neon lights while slowly swinging around. Then the entire cast is dancing whilst wearing single coloured tights. Then special poses for the main boys and end. And also in between all these moments there's posing, posing, posing. Jim Daddy's back at the gym and as his coach presses down on his shoulder he lets out a little moan. Can this anime please stop reminding me of this weird fetish I have, please and thank you. And who pops in but that little angsty kid. He's even voiced by Aaron Yeager, like oh my god. He is so mad at him for his retirement scandal that he pulls out the one trashy tabloid that ran a story on it, being so inflamed by it that he assumed that Jim Daddy and his coach must have read it, but they hadn't. So instead, they're slightly confused but still happy to be reading about the cute Seal River story on the front cover. He is so mad at the embarrassment to gymnastics that this has caused. In regards to controversies in gymnastics, mate, oh mate, this rate pretty fucking low. So he challenges Jim Daddy to a match. Like, oh my god, could this kid get any more edgy or embarrassing? Like, no kid. He's not the embarrassment in gymnastics, you are. And if he loses, he has to quit gymnastics. And Jim Daddy's like, Oh yeah, that sounds pretty cool. His daughter congratulates him on his now more stable employment via putting on his cake bloody Sylvester Stallone. Fuck yeah. This is definitely one of those things that I never thought about putting on a cake, but now realizing it is on a cake, it just makes me giggle. She says, yeah, grandma was happy too. And it plays a quick flashback of her leaning against the kitchen counter, fag in hand saying, you get a job or I kick you out. Is grandma a fucking mob boss or something? Now, I have only just realized during Jim Daddy's training montage that this show is set in the early 2000s. Oh my god, everything makes more sense now. The beautiful rap opening of them in the same colored tracksuits, the song written by the group Orange Range, aka the hip-hop group that did the very first Bleach opening back in 2004. The fact that there is a Gangaru chick, his daughter's obsession with action films from the late 90s to the early 2000s, everything was there to tell me it was set in the early 2000s. Even fucking Samurai Ponytail for fuck's sake. I kind of put it down to that I haven't grown up with iPhones, so when I don't see any characters using them, I don't even notice. If anything, I'd still remember when anime characters first started using phones and how fucking weird that was. Ninja's back at the bar working to remind you that he works at the bar. Gym daddy training sequence, coach pushes down on his shoulder and there's no pain, so he is ready. Hey, that earlier scene did have a purpose and wasn't just there to remind me of what a degenerate of a person I am. Ninja sees daughter getting bullied. <gasps> I guess it'll come up later. When Rachel asks grandma if she's gonna watch Gym Daddy Showdown, she's like, I'm right, love. Really? 
I'm right. So Jim Daddy's there ready to go with his little cheer squad whilst poor little angsty troll there by himself. And he does a beautiful job. And I am shocked. I'm like, hey, it's gymnastics in a show about gymnastics. Cool. It was very nice. Gave me good Yuri on Ice vibes. Though I doubt it'll have anywhere near as much gymnastics in this as Yuri on Ice did ice skating. But whatever. It's still it's still nice to see, guys. So his cheer squad are cheering and everyone's so proud of him. And fucking little Langsty child just shouts, enough! Like, Oh, he's feeling left out because he didn't bring anyone to cheer for him. Then he does better than Jim Daddy and therefore wins. Jim Daddy isn't depressed by the loss. He's too powered up from little angsty child perfecting a triple flip move that he created years ago. Then he and everyone beg angsty child to let him keep doing gymnastics, even though angsty child has no power to force him to quit. So surprisingly, he doesn't, but now he's all pumped up for the championships. Episode 4. In this episode of Gym Daddy, there is barely any Gym Daddy. I am saddened. I mean, sure, there's plenty of the little ninja guy, and he's alright, but he's, he's not Gym Daddy. We see Gym Daddy experience his coach's first mobile phone, which he's already using to send selfies to his daughter each day. Pro tip, selfies weren't really a thing back then, because one, no one was used to taking selfies since you had to ration off how many photos you could take on a camera, so everyone still had the for special occasions slash family photos mentality. And two, they were blurry AF, like sweetheart, no one's gonna see how on fleck your eyebrows are with that resolution. Rachel calls the freaky bird thing in their house Big Bird. Like, no, Big Bird was a friendly creature beloved by children. Nothing like whatever the fuck this monstrosity is. Then she says he's not supposed to eat human food because he's a bird. He looks like the type of bird you would hallucinate before you die. This cunt's natural diet is probably the skulls of premies. Ninja Guy sees Rachel bullied on her way to school and she tells him to fuck off, which he does via rocking up to her school. This teacher kicks him out, but he doesn't bother to call the cops on him, therefore he just stalks her all day. So it's this one group of shitty boys who sit near her and walk home with her and make fun of her dad's TV. I'm retiring, not doop. Like, this is the same teacher who didn't call the cops on this guy and who just left Rachel sitting near the kids who bully her. So, no, even though this episode is supposed to be, oh, poor Rachel, it's, oh my god, why is this teacher so incompetent at caring for children? Rachel takes Ninja Guy to her mum's grave and is pretty much like, yeah, out of my parents is definitely the dead one that had their shit together. At Grandma's bar, someone finds Rachel's thrown out Parents' Day form and Grandma explains that she is well aware that Rachel doesn't let on how bad her school life is, but that she doesn't do anything about it because... I don't know, she can't be fucked. Like, she's literally smoking a diary whilst explaining this. Like, how much of a shit can she really give about her granddaughter in this situation? So Ninja Guy goes instead, and he wears a little suit and has his hair slicked back. And all the mums are like, whose hot foreign stepbrother is that? During class, Ninja Guy is really helping the bullying situation via cheering for Rachel and causing the entire class to cheer for her. I am amazed at Ninja Guy's social density. 
she finally cracks the shit at Ninja Guy. The fuck you doing getting along with the cunts who fucking tease me after school every day? After she snaps, they all apologize. Then she actually comes back to school feeling better. And the boys don't bully her anymore, partially out of fear. But I think a lot of it's that key thing where they realize that her dad's quote was funny, but not that bringing that up around her all the time upsets her. See, if they had a decent fucking teacher, they'd have known about it. Episode 5. Rachel and Ninja are playing a word game and just listing off 90s slash 2000s action movies just to really smack you in the gob that yes, this is set in the early 2000s. Rachel discusses with Ninja that her birthday is the one day of the year that her dad must take the day off for. It was like a request her dead mum made. Uh oh, guess he's not gonna make the birthday this year! It is competition time, guys! Yay! And Rachel and Ninja are decked out in their fan gear with the headbands and them jacket things that idol fans don't wear anymore, but we foreigners still associate them as wearing. Anyway, happy early 2000s culture, guys! I am still somewhat shocked that Ninja is always hanging out at the gym and is very obviously a trained gymnast and yet still not a single person at the club thought to put him on the team. As Jim Daddy's out getting ready, Little Edge Lord completely snobs him, causing his coach to just grab his shoulder like, Bruh, I don't care how high you're ranked or how awkward a teenager you are, you are gonna say hello to your fellow competitors. In a show about gymnastics, we finally get to see some gymnastics, hooray! And they only use terrifyingly emotionless CGI once when this guy's on the vault like, mate, you just swinging around like crazy but your face and your head just aren't moving. Say what you will about the all over the place quality of the animation in Yuri on Ice, at least they didn't cash out for CGI. Your little angst child fucking smashes it and on the first day Jim Daddy comes 15th and honestly, he ain't phased by it, he's just jamming to the wild thing playing on the dicky little radio. Second day, Lil Angst Child is so much higher and above his pathetic competitors that he basically using the comp to try out risky moves since him losing a couple of points won't really matter if he botches up the trickier moves and he thinks to himself, all I care about is winning. Uh oh, I see a future injury coming along. And his coach just there like, yeah man, you're the best. You're the flying hope of Japan. Let me put this pressure on you to succeed. Like, is your coach gonna turn out to be the villain or something? All the other young competitors are feeling the pressure from Lil Angstrow being so much more amazing at gymnastics than them that they keep making little mistakes. But not cool-headed Gym Daddy, who due to the other failures finishes sixth and just scrapes into the qualifiers. Once the tournament's over, those secret agents finally find Ninja again. Like, I'm pretty sure it's been six months since they last saw him at the Ninja Park, and he has not left the country for Pete's sake. I guess he's not that important since they obviously sent the shitty secret agent team on hand. So Ninja does go home with the family, but then fucks off sometime in the night. Rachel is genuinely concerned about him, whilst Jin Daddy's like, I don't know, maybe because he's a grown-ass adult, he's doing grown-ass adult things, such as leaving the house by himself without another household member in doll. And Jim Daddy's discussing an important training camp in China, and oh no. 
Would you look at that? It just happens to clash with Rachel's birthday! Episode 6. During class, Rachel is just there doodling in her school book because she's from a rich and affluent family and doesn't need to study in order to have a roof over her head when she's an adult. She goes to Grandma's bar after school and asks about Ninja since he still hasn't been home yet. Grandma lights up a fag, takes a big long sigh from it, then explains that look here kid, he probably ain't coming back. When at home with Jim Daddy, they're watching a salacious news story on the TV about gangs and gangaroos in their neighborhood, and she's freaking out about the gangaroos despite the fact that she was just talking to a garu in like the last scene. Jim Daddy does the right thing. He sits down and talks with Rachel about the clash, how he's very upset and sorry that it's on her B-Day, but that it is important for his career. And Rachel agrees and says, yeah, that's cool, except that it isn't! Montage of Rachel getting lonelier and lonelier. There's a scene where she's reading the shoujo, even though it's already been established she loves action movies. Like, yeah, she can do, like, she can like both, but honestly, it'd be more likely for her to be reading a shonen jump mag. She snaps at one of the shitty kids who's still kind of scared of her, so she's like, great, now there's one less person who'll talk to me. Jim Daddy has a long meeting at work, which he didn't tell Rachel about. Hence he gets a phone call from her during the meeting and everyone there is so awkward about it. Like, yeah, he's a parent, he has a kid to look after. Why is this show shocking? Well, I know it's shocking because of Japan holding traditional values in place so that the mum is most heavily involved in child rearing, which we kind of still are in the West, so I can't really shit on it too much. So after he gets pressed into turning his phone off, remember, this was only when people first started having phones, so turning it off wouldn't have seemed as much of a big deal as it is now. So now that Rachel's alone, she just goes, fuck it, and grabs KFC for dinner. But then her massive bird eats some, then passes out from the stress when he realizes he ate another bird. She runs him to the vet, gets home, and then decides to wander the streets like the neglected child she is. Here's the thing. I know grandma owns and runs the bar, but seriously, she could take the night off to babysit. Like, the bar can keep operating without her presence. There's a flashback to when Rachel's mum was had just died and she's crying and depressed and not eating anything. So grandma just goes, here's a replacement pet and gives her the bird. Yes, she gave her grandchild a pet bird to replace her dead mum. Smooth. Well, it worked. So who am I to question her grandparenting skills? Everyone realizes Rachel's missing and goes looking for her, including Ninja because he's back. I assumed you'd handed yourself into the spies and would stay there. This is not what I was expecting. Ugh, this is what I'm invested in now. Like, I don't care if Jim Daddy never makes it to the comp because he's got pop for steroids. I just want to know what the fuck is going on with Ninja. So Grandma and Gangaru call up the evil gangs and Garu gangs of the neighborhood to come find Rachel, which they succeed at. Rachel's saying how she wants to be like her mum and be able to handle all the stress and grandma's just like Lol, your ma was a lazy angry piece of shit. She just held it together around you Then Jim Daddy turns up and he's hugging her and crying and she's like You never taught me how to ride a bike! Which feels kind of random and out of nowhere, but whatever we're going with it. I legit Never picked up on the fact that she never rode her bike and that was why then Ninja turns up and she's all mad that he fucked off on her. So then, 
they go and teach Rachel how to ride a bike. And she basically picks up straight away because she's the daughter of a professional athlete and jeans. And because of this, she's calmed down and she's okay with her dad training on her B-day. She even says, never quit gymnastics because of me, which is insanely mature of her. Go, Rachel. Then the ending shot is Ninja posing in a spotlight. So I guess he wasn't a gymnast, but maybe a ballerina? But he can do some gym stuff, which makes me think he's more likely to be an ice skater. The next episode better explain all of this, I swear to God. But yeah, in a show that I thought was about hot gym daddies groaning, it's actually a family drama about the complexities of children handling the interference of their parents' career in their upbringing. Episode 7, we finally find out what the fuck is going on with Ninja. So, when he briefly disappeared, those agents sent him to the London Ballet Company because yes, they weren't secret agents, they were just hired by the old biddy who runs the ballet company. But hey, maybe MI5 thought getting one of their country's top ballerinos back to performing in England was a top priority for national security. This gangster bitch giving me the same vibes as grandma, she's just there like... When I used to run away from home, my mum would hang me upside down from a tree. And it would really hurt. Ninja explains he still isn't ready to come back yet, but promises he'll come back after winter. And our second hard-ass grandma gangster of this series replies, Okay, but if you don't, it'll be more painful than hanging you upside down from a tree. And today marks the first early 2000s reference I care about, apart from their dinky phone and sly cake. And it's Rachel dressing up as Edward Scissorhands and asking Ninja to play Edward Scissorhands with her. It's the group training session. Hooray! Everyone's feeling pretty serious, pretty focused. Or Jim Daddy's just like, oh man, I haven't been here in years. Oi, Daryl! Daryl, they still got that photo of you. See, see, the one where your face is like, ooh. <laughs> When the two teams are greeting one another, Angsi Chan just storms up to the Chinese world champion and offers to duel him. Like, oh my god, what a disgraceful, rude little shit. But the daggy Chinese coach, I think, is the first to look a little like Jackie Chan. She's all excited to see this disrespectful little shit be so excited and pumped for gymnastics. This episode really brings home that you watch this show for the drama around gymnastics. You do not watch it for the sake of watching cool gymnastics routines because it's still lifeless CGI. After this, Jim Daddy's like, give me a turn. And he just does his triple flip move on the bars. And that's enough for him. Like, he didn't really read the room about the tense gymnastics battle going down. He saw they were given permission to use the bars. So he went ahead and used them. One of the Chinese girls just glared in a gym day like oh my god you've got beef with him too training shot montage nice shot of gym daddy on the horse like oh yeah that's part of the reason i watch this show i forgot but thanks for the reminder anime rachel gets to go to the opening training day the day after her birthday so this whole not there for my birthday drama seems to be a bit blown out of proportion during training, Ninja decides to follow Angsty-chan on his run, making Angsty-chan run away from him and end up getting lost as a result. For a character whose whole motto is, if you're not first, you're last, he really isn't that stressed out about missing an entire day of special training camp due to getting lost. Ninja's attempts to DNM with Angsty-chan that aiming for perfection, especially when you see you aren't perfect, such as him with ballet, makes it too hard to participate in and how they should be more like Jim Daddy and just fucking go along for the ride. 
This attempt at closure goes right over Mr. If you're not first, you're last head. At the end of the trading camp dinner, the Chinese girl, <laughs> name is Kitty, like, yeesh riders, she thought that was a good and not racist idea. And she's a massive fan of Rachel's mum, so at least that got sorted. She hates him for the same reason grandma hates him. Oh yeah. And even though the women's gymnastics teams are there, we don't get to see them do any practicing. Like the fuck? Jim Daddy runs into the world champion practicing and the guy stops and asks him why he's at this since he's a fucking loser old man who ain't winning shit. And he's like, well, it's good to know that embarrassing press conference I did didn't make Chinese headlines. And he kind of explains that, yeah. He's had some setbacks, he eventually won't be able to perform at his peak level, but as long as he can, he's gonna keep on going. Then the episode ends with him sitting with his coach, and he comes up with the well-thought, ingenious, and intuitive idea to this success. Instead of flipping three times, I'm gonna flip four. Episode 8. Rachel is there using good old-fashioned email to talk to Kitty. I totally thought they were going to go for a catfish angle, but no. When she arrives at the train station to pick up her friend from the internet, it is indeed her and not a creepy 40-year-old man instead. Now, Jim Daddy is working hard on creating that quadruple flip. They show us a convenient flashback to when he was first trying out the triple flip. And even back then, he's like... What about a quadruple flip? And his coach is like, for fuck's sake, you haven't even got the triple flip down pack yet. Focus on the fucking triple. But like, if, if you did, it'd have to be as a landing flip in case you wanted to try it like 10 or so years down the track. And Ninja has finally decided to start doing ballet training again. Yay him! I mean, just in the gymnastics gymnasium and therefore not with no proper trainers or anything to help him out. But yeah, he's giving it a crack. His dancing scenes are animated beautifully, unlike any of the gymnastic scenes. Well, thank you very much, Mappa, for animating the ballet scenes well in a show about gymnastics. Since he's there doing lots of spinning, he gives Jim Daddy Vegas fucking advice on spinning, which somehow works, so that right at the end of the episode, he manages to quadruple flip. I mean, he lands on his ass while doing so, but still did it. It's a start. We did get a great montage of Jim Daddy, Jim Daddy falling down, being in pain, his shirt lifting up whilst he's falling and being in pain. Thank you, Animea, you know what I'm here for. And yeah, that was it for Jim Daddy in this episode of an anime that's all about him because the rest of the episode was all about Rachel and Kitty hanging out. At least with the other Rachel-centric episodes. They're about her struggle with having a professional athlete as a dad and the downfalls that come with that. That was interesting and relevant to the main plot. Her just having fun around Tokyo with Kitty isn't. If anything, Kitty's fucking rolling in it from all her gymnast work and it's just this spoiled brat going around town in a coming of age segment because being able to buy whatever the fuck she wants. When they're at karaoke, Kitty sings Memorial Kataomi, which I recognized as an anime ending sung in character from something I'd watched recently, but I couldn't think of anything I'd watched recently from the early 2000s, so I looked it up, and in all places it was Reddit where I found an answer, which was that what I heard was a cover, 
which was the ending song of if my favorite idol went to Bukudon, I would die. So yeah, didn't realize it was a cover, but considering it's an idol show, it makes sense. Also, that show is one of the best fucking things and no one has watched it. If you are an idol fan, or even just a fan of any person in general, you need to watch this show. Literally every fucking word out of Eri P.O.'s mouth is fucking relatable and memeable. Why have people not realized this? When Kitty comes home, she is the first person to recognize Ninja, aka leading male at the Royal London Ballet. And the look of shock on her face when Rachel's reaction to Ninja being a world-class ballerino is, oh yeah, nah, Ninja's cool. We just play movies together and stuff. Great lad. So after hanging out with Kitty, Kitty's talking about her dreams of becoming an idol after she retires as a gymnast, looking at all her film posters and how she loves to play movie reenactments with Ninja, reminiscing on her mum's past work, she realizes she wants to become an actress. I get that they were working to make this a coming of age segment to pull at the heartstrings a little, but they completely forgot that Rachel is the child of a famous actress, aka she can literally become a famous actress whenever she wants with little to no effort or talent. There is nothing inspiring about a rich privileged kid deciding to go down a path where their richness and privilegedness will do all the work for them. But I feel this is something that's done more often in Japan than over here, and how it's looked on with a more optimistic look. Like, I'm pretty sure when Takia Kimura, Weebs will know him as the lead in the Yakuza Judgment Eyes games. Bigger Weebs will know him as the member of the now defunct but still very famous group SMAP. When his daughters started doing modeling, like, I think they got whole magazine spreads dedicated to their modeling photos because they were seen as celebrities even though all they'd done is been birthed out of an actress's vag from the sperm of an idol. Apart from the Kardashians, I feel like any other famous kid over here, their publicist desperately tries to hide their famous ties to the public. Tom Holland's the big one. Like, his dad is a comedian author. This is never mentioned or brought up. I'm sure this is news to a lot of you listening. So yeah, this is definitely the worst episode of the show yet because the rest of it has been so good. Episode 9. It opens with a flashback basically of how Ninja became a fan of Gym Daddy. It was at the 1997 World Gymnastics Championships in Switzerland. So Ninja is Swiss. His dad looks like the 40-year-old bassist of a famous band like yeesh. Local news is that this cute little owl has escaped and is flying around the neighborhood and as soon as it shows this cute little owl it just cuts away to the monstrosity of a bird that they own like yeah mate if that were you you wouldn't be making the local news. After a montage of Dim Daddy training and botching his lance he finally lands safely and firmly on the ground after his quadruple flip. Yay Jim Daddy! Ninja looking back on his time as a child prodigy and how that hung over him for the rest of his career, overly criticized if he failed because hey, he's naturally gifted. This is supposed to be easy for him. And if he succeeds, it's like, well, duh, he is naturally talented instead of getting any proper congratulations. 
I will legit call this bullshit except Taman's mentioned and complained about it which instantly makes it a very real deal. Jim Daddy thanks Ninja because if it weren't for him getting groped by that acupuncturist at the bar he would have retired by now. Then he sees that cute little owl everyone loves but he's stuck in the fence so he decides that a week before competition he should jump up to release this bird instead of waiting for his more nimble and well balanced friend to do it for him. Like when they're talking Ninja is just casually standing on a tiny arm rail like it's no biggie. So Hugh ends up injuring themselves, falling off of a fence whilst trying to save an owl. But it's just a sprain, so it's all looked at and treated, they're planning on changing their training plan a bit, and he should be right to compete. Ninja is not having it, even though like regular everyday people sprain their ankles. It's like the most minute injury. Plus if he re-injures it, it'll lead to more flexibility in his foot, which surely isn't a bad thing for a gymnast. Oh yeah, the owl, the owl found its way home. In case you were worried about the well-being of the owl, here's some closure. Jim Daddy DMs and Ninja about how look. It may not be the best time to compete, but he's gotta do it. Then it cuts to the most depressing flashback. During his comp in Switzerland was when his wife got in a car accident and died. Jim Daddy stays to compete even though his wife is in hospital and fucks it up. Like, yeah, if Jim Daddy competed when his wife died, he can easily compete with the babiest of injuries. Then it shows depressed Jim Daddy watching old interviews of his wife. It's very sweet, but it also makes him look more like her sad fanboy than her fucking husband. But then little Rachel, who's gotten her freaky bird thing, reminds Jim Daddy that they gotta keep on keeping on. So I guess that's the difference between Jim Daddy and Ninja. That Ninja hasn't gone through a traumatic life altering experience yet. Cheer up, son. I'm sure one day you'll have a tragic event occur in your life that'll strengthen your mind enough for ballet again. Episode 10. It's the big nationwide tournament today. This show is showing the most important historical events of early 2000s. On the telly, it's showing Arnie becoming governor of California. If you were around when this happened, it was like the biggest meme. One of the gymnasts asks the Gangaru from the bar to come, and he is so excited that she's coming. Like, too excited, like he has never probably asked this woman out excited, despite the fact that he's known her for a while and he's a grown ass adult. So along to watch Jim Daddy at the competition is Rachel, one of her bros from her school that has gone from bullying her to having the hots for her, and the acupuncturist who, when he teases said child who retorts back that his ball just loses the absolute fucking shit at him. Just loses the absolute fucking shit at a child he's not even related to. Jim is on! And little Angsty Chan's up first, does a beautiful floor routine, only to stuff up the landing. He lands right on his bum. And this continues on for every gym performance he gives. Which for today's round is the pommel horse and rings. Meanwhile, Jim Daddy's just fucking smashes. He's doing brilliantly. He's doing spectacularly. At the end of the day, he has the highest score. Then we see Sip Gymnast all pumped because his girl's there. And he gazes at her in the crowd. And she's just bored out of her brain. This show taught me something about gangaroos that I didn't know. They often used to have uh, fantasy personas and would just act them out in public. As if they couldn't get any worse, they just spend their free time hanging out as their OC. But this includes languages, yep. 
this girl made up a fantasy language that she occasionally speaks in, in public. Like, they're the original chunbios. And honestly, having a girl so covered in makeup, you can't properly see her face move, doing that does make it at least more amusing than when some random fucking nerd does it. This makes me assume that this was the language she was speaking earlier on and not Russian. So when this guy gets the best score on the pommel horse for the event, he signs off by shouting out the fantasy phrase she shouted at him when they first met. And even she thinks it's lame. It's just that cringy that even the original user of the word can't appreciate it. Man, I forgot that I love gymnastics. By the end, I was cheering for Gym Daddy like I was watching an actual sports event, so I don't know if that means the staff behind the production have succeeded in what they aim to achieve, or if I'm just an embarrassing loser. It was kind of sad seeing Gym Daddy smash all these routines that we never got to properly see him train for. Like, we know nothing about the preparation or thought process that went into his routine for floor, but at the same time, there are too many events to be able to focus on the preparation for that many of them. Oh yeah, and the animation is mostly in 3D and lifeless and kind of shitty, boohoo! It was also only in this episode that I fully understood that the 2004 Olympics were a big moment for Japanese gymnastics. So even though the current day global events for gymnasts are around Simone Biles and pretty much the rest of the US women's gymnast team, for a show about the Japanese gymnastics scene, it makes more sense to set it in a memorable and proud moment for the sport. After the tournament, Angsty Chan is there with his coach who goes, Techan, but he ignores him. Then he goes, Techan, and he ignores him. Then he just fucking roars, Techan, and he knows he's in trouble. He knows he's in trouble when the nickname gets dropped. He talks to Angsty Chan about how he didn't say anything about the stuff ups because he can usually snap out of it himself, but he didn't today, and he realizes it was because he was too focused on Jim Daddy and his performance. I mean, with Jim Daddy out there performing in his little shorts, like, no wonder. And he says he'll do better tomorrow. And he rips away his little arm sleeve thing that he's wearing, which his coach discovers has writing in it that Angsty Chun will become number one. Just a little bit too much on the nose about him lifting the weight and focus of winning off of his chest. At the end of last week's episode, Ninja got nicked again. So one of the agents brought Rachel over to see him one last time. She says if he doesn't see Rachel, he may never gonna dance again. The amazing album released by none other than Taven himself. But I don't know why that lady thought that. He's fine. He... He has got his passion for dancing back and he's gonna head back ASAP and he tells Rachel goodbye. He is obviously distraught that her dad's boyfriend won't be there to support him at the tournament tomorrow. Like when she's talking about how much he saved her dad, like, oh no, that's the cry of a child who thought you were gonna become her stepdad. And Ninja is so well put together and serious. He dropped his clueless foreigner accent and just talks like a normal person now. Go you! And we see Jim Daddy icing his dodgy ankle. <gasps> oh no. Episode 11. It's the final episode, guys. <gasps> so, it starts with Jim Daddy fucking smashing it at gymnastics today. And Lil Angsty Chan's on his game too. The commentator's mentioning, hmm, he isn't wearing that armband that he usually does. Almost like he's moved on from them and doesn't need them anymore. Just in case the subtlety of him removing his armbands to signify growth still wasn't that clear to you yet. 
Jim Daddy's Chekhov's ankle goes off and his perfect score is only 9.6 instead of 9.7. Look. It definitely sounds pedantic, but he's competing professionally, and that little shit kid's currently beating him, so I get it. The fam is discussing how Ninja can't make the comp, and then Gran and Gangeru kind of muse that if he wasn't coming to the comp due to his ballet alone, it's kind of suspicious that he just happens to be leaving on the last day of the comp, so... Right, the fam are off to grab him from the airport, which they do, and Ninja there on the verge of tears and shouting that he isn't strong like Jim Daddy is. Like, okay, you are nowhere near as sane as you led on last ep. Rachel literally says to Ninja that her dad's been shit at Jim since her mum died, subtly implying that he's Jim Daddy's surrogate wife. Rachel convinces him to come watch with a fucking lame movie quote like, oh my god, if that were me, I'd fuck off as fast as I could on a plane away from her from pure embarrassment. And now this episode features possibly the best early 2000s reference in the entire show. Grandma be fucking drifting up the highway, fuck yeah! Fucking let's blast some Yobi motherfuckers! It comes to the bars. And Jim Daddy sees Rachel and Ninja in the audience just before he goes on. Whilst he is in the air flipping about, we see him smirk. I do not care what anyone says. This is the sexiest show of 2020. Fucking Jim Daddy better be fucking smashing the best boy categories. And he smashes it. And do you know why? Because he has family there to support him. And that's the moral of the story, guys. Wags are important. Don't listen to Cricket Australia saying they're distracting the players. They're fucking important. So he smashes it and wins the comp. Yay! Well, is Angsy Chan there silently crying? And his coach is like, at least you lost to the only gymnast you respect. Wow. Look, I am very impressed with how they finished Angsty Chan's arc. Very mature. We get a time skip to two years later, which does not mention the Olympics at all. Are you kidding me? The finishing touch of the series had to be how he did at the Olympics. It's just not fair. Honestly, this episode felt a little on the rush side, and it's only 11 episodes long, so I wouldn't be super surprised if it ended up being cut short like an episode of you, because, you know, COVID. And it's them sneaking off to London to watch Ninja perform in Swan Lake, a famous ballet piece with traditionally a female lead. So I don't know if it's a gender-bent version or if he's not even the main performer in the show, because if that's the case, then that's fucking lame. But he is there with gorgeous eye makeup and performing shirtless so well well. What a great ending scene to a great series. That was Gymnastic Samurai and it was a weird sports drama. It was a drama about everything <laughs> but the sport and at the end of the day there wasn't a whole lot of gym. It was more of a character drama about dealing with competing and performing at a professional level and the hurdles that that causes. And so much on the kid. So much about Rachel. He doesn't even compete. Really it was bizarre I think. I mean still yeah it's a pretty good show. It wasn't what I was expecting. Which is disappointing because I was there for gorgeous gymnastics and there wasn't a whole lot of gymnastics and what there was it was poorly done 3D animation like that wasn't the focus of the show the focus was the character drama which doesn't make it bad but I missed out on what I was looking forward to. 
See, because I compare it to the Queen's Gambit, but I never went to the Queen's Gambit for chess, but I went to Gymnastics Samurai for gymnastics, if that makes sense. The whole time I was watching this, I compared it to the other studio sports work, which is Yuri on Ice, and it is better than Yuri on Ice. I think people will like this over Yuri, but it's a different show. The best thing Yuri on Ice did was using the ice skating to mirror the growth of Victor and Yuri's relationship, and of course the fuck ton of ice skating, when it was animated well. Was Jim Daddy had more of the character stuff, but it wasn't portrayed as artistically as in Yuri, and the gymnastics really ended up standing on the sidelines. So there's only so much comparing you can do of the two when they're such different shows. That was episode 20 of Anime for Trash Dwellers, Insufferable Weave on Instagram, Tumblr, Twitter. Bye!